Welcome to Geeks and Jacks Podcast. A happy festivus to the rest of us for this episode of Geeks and Jacks. This is Ryan Sullivan, and a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, everything else in between, Happy Holidays for Geeks and Jacks, episode 24, actually recording on Festivus Day, December 23rd, 2019, slated for Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2019, definitely some stuff to talk about, and going to be talking about the new Xbox reveal, and I'll be intrigued to see how that goes, um, reasons why that movie Richard Jewell bombed, and what could possibly happen with any kind of movie in general, uh, football playoff implications and all that, talking about the last couple of weeks of football, and who knows what else we have to talk about, so let's begin with the football, and it all starts with the Baltimore Ravens. So the Baltimore Ravens secured home field advantage throughout the playoffs, I believe. They got it for the AFC, to be exact. Uh, and it all is riding on how Lamar Jackson has been this year, throwing for three more touchdowns, up to 36 for the year, and throwing for like 230 yards and rushing for another 100 the game prior to this past Sunday, he ran for over a thousand yards, and he broke Michael Vick's record of I think it was like a thousand thirty-nine yards that Vick accomplished back in two thousand six. So you got to give the guy credit for at least being like what he was in college, because the numbers I looked at when I looked up the stats when Jackson was at Louisville, I mean, like four thousand yards rushing and fifty touchdowns. In just three years, mind you. Three years. And right now, he is proving the critics wrong this entire season. The ones that were like, ah, this is a bad idea. Oh, why does this guy play wide receiver? The guy is just unbelievable. Simply unbelievable. I don't know how else you can explain it. Whether he's a fad or not, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But I, I feel like he can last 15 years in the league. I really do. And this could be the year that the Ravens could win a Super Bowl. They could get that far. And the defense has been playing phenomenal. The run game is excellent. And actually, I think the first time in about a decade, two guys on one team running for 1,000 yards each. Mark Ingram, although he had an injury in the game against Cleveland, he ran for 1,000 yards altogether for the year. That's... And like. 10 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns rushing for the year, add another 4-5 in the air. The, the guy has had a revitalized year following a previous year of being suspended for PEDs and kind of being replaced by Alvin Kamara. I mean, and this is, I mean, it's going to come down for Cleveland as probably the biggest disappointment ever. Like, even worse, I'm not sure if it's worse than the 0-16 year from uh, two years ago, but this has got to be one of the biggest disappointments as they end the season with no winning season for the decade. The only team to have no winning season at all for the 2010s. And it, it, you know, it's all sorts of disappointment. The hype. This reminds me of when Philadelphia was 
some of their guys labeled themselves as the dream team in 2011. They didn't even make it to the playoffs that year. This has a lot similarity like that, but with magazines going, oh, this is going to be the best team ever. I thought they were going to be at least a 10-win team. I didn't just, like maybe at least a playoff team, but with the disappointment that they've had this year, pfft. I mean, the thing is, Nick Chubb is a phenomenal running back right now. Baker Mayfield, if he can give up less turnovers, he has the makings of a good quarterback. And he's on the brink of being the first Cleveland quarterback since Tim Couch back in 2001 to start every game for the year. And of course, you got the antics of Odell Beckham Jr. It's not a surprise why the Giants got rid of him last year. The temper tantrums. Does Cleveland move away from him? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe give him another year or so to see if they actually make the playoffs or not. But if they don't for 2020, uh, you might as well try and dump him off to some other team. I mean, I don't know how you can handle his situation. It just it, it has to stop at some point. Actually, speaking of also a minute ago with Mark Ingram, New Orleans Saints survive a win against Tennessee in one of the more controversial penalties that wasn't called this year and a blow to the head for Tennessee from one of their receivers and they called it a they didn't call the penalty and this is what pisses me off about football now it's like they I understand like any sport there's a human element to it but it's fucking ridiculous. How do you not see a blow to the head and you don't and you don't make the call? These refs these refs do terrible. They've been terrible this decade. Too many blown opportunities with all the technology in the world. We've improved so much from the la- in these last, I don't know, 20, 30 years that you're telling me you couldn't review it and you didn't see the call? You didn't see the blow to the head? This is why, this is why I think we'll see robots at some point. This is why I think we'll see a robot officiating. Or, you know, officiating being shunned. Because... Because when you see this stuff, I mean, I mean, sure, they have to guess it too, but there's no excuses for someone getting hurt, and that has a lot of major playoff implications for Tennessee right now. They need to beat Houston just to even get in, and I th- don't think they need... I don't think they need Pittsburgh to lose on uh, next Sunday. And speaking of which, that's... That's a shame that they lost to the freaking Jets. Now, the Jets are actually having an okay year, 6-9 and nine right now, but that's still, that's not a good sign if you're Pittsburgh. And the quarterback situation, I mean, that is just ugly, ugly, ugly. I mean, they've, they went through so much within like a 20-year span after Terry Bradshaw retired from football. I mean, they've had quarterbacks that are D1 
de- that that were decent. I mean, you think about uh, like Neil Donald and Cordell Stewart, even the aging uh, Tommy Maddox. But none of these guys lasted very long. I mean, and by that I mean they most of them didn't last any more than like five years in the league. Not in the league, um, the the state with the Steelers, and it's hard to imagine that because. And I look at it a little bit the same way with the Giants a little bit. You know, it's hard to imagine anyone else other than Manning. And the same I could see with Roethlisberger. But I personally think Roethlisberger will retire. I think he's gone after this year. Unless they find some way to magically bring him back for a 17th season. Which even that's a stretch to even think. Just a huge stretch. I mean, whatever... I mean, whatever the Jets are doing right now, I mean, just look at it for this year and finish the season strong with like a 7-9 record and, you know, find a way to see what worked, what didn't work. Continue with improving on the team, I guess. They got some good acquisitions. They just need to utilize them a lot more. So as far as like the Thursday night games go, I forgot about that. Um... You know what? San Francisco played with a heavy heart. I didn't hear about it until I think uh, yesterday that the um, the brother of C.J. Bethard, who is I think a third string quarterback for San Francisco, his brother was fatally killed in a uh, bar fight, like stabbed to death. There was another one that was killed too, and I mean that's hard to say, but that comes after a gritty finish against the LA Rams and San Francisco keeps a hold of their division lead and speaking of that they are flexed with their game against the Seahawks to Sunday Night Football so that ought to be probably the most interesting game of of week 17 as I mean whichever one I mean the playoffs go through in the NFC to San Francisco or Seattle one or the other right I mean, home field advantage, I mean, I doubt you want to play at, was it the, I forget the name of the stadium for Seattle, but it that crowd, it's going to be rough. And I can't imagine wanting to be an away team and hearing how loud it is. Unbelievable. But I don't know, I think, I think San Francisco can have a little revenge on Russell Wilson and all that. But there better be some redemption for the Seahawks considering that they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. Kenyon Drake, the acquisition from Miami. Probably the best two weeks of his career ever. Running for four touchdowns and like over 130 yards last week and now this week. 140 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, 160 actually, I forgot. Like, he went loose. So it makes me think that maybe David Johnson's future is in question for Arizona. And whatever the defense do did, they, they knew how to get to Seattle. And it's probably one of the few bright spots of an otherwise mediocre season for Kyler Murray and uh, many others on that team. I mean, there's room for improvement, no doubt. But a must-win situation for the Seahawks when they face San Francisco. And I can't imagine 
how much more towards a firing we could see for uh, Dallas. I think Jason Garrett will be fired at the end of the year, pending if they make a good playoff run, which I doubt will happen. But they're, I mean, Dallas or Philadelphia, whichever one, they're going to face. They're going to face San, San Francisco, Seattle, or Minnesota. One of these teams. I mean, Minnesota can run the can run the ball, but let's see if they can even do that with a healthy Dalvin Cook. If he's even back, you know, in time, he won't be playing. I don't think tonight. But Kirk Cousins can throw it any way he can. I mean, the defense still a great defense. Maybe not as great as years before, but still a good team. And you know, San Francisco, the one-two punch of running the ball and Jimmy Garoppolo developing as time has gone on. And obviously Seattle with Russell Wilson at the helm. Anything can happen. But Dallas, it's like, I'm not sure if it's more than just a Jason Garrett problem. It's the fact that Dak Prescott is playing through injury. Ezekiel Elliott, not up to snuff against Philadelphia. I mean, you, I mean if you know there's going to be health issues and all that, Obviously, you're going to try and attack the run game probably a lot better. And either way, just ugly loss for them. And this is for a Philadelphia team that is injury-plagued. Injury-plagued, I say. Because they don't have any receivers. Their tight ends are questionable at times. They've lost, I think, like one or two of their uh, linemen. Defense is banged up. I mean... I mean, one of these two. I mean, they're not gonna, they're not gonna advance far, and maybe a win, but that's about it. Yeah, I keep forgetting about how bad Detroit is losing to the Denver Broncos. I tell you what, if I'm Denver, I'm keeping an eye on Drew Locke, and I would probably have him as a starter for the rest of the year. Well, for to try him out for next year, to be exact. That guy can probably light up Denver and revitalize the franchise, which has been kind of stagnant since winning the Super Bowl back in back in the 2015 season. I mean, Philip Lindsay's still having a great year. Uh, the Cortland Sutton guy finally breaking out. I mean, getting rid of Emmanuel Sanders probably has helped him a little bit, but I'm gonna hesitate on saying it was a it was a good move. But they could end the season seven and nine. It really is. I'll tell you what, I mean, the the AFC West is just very disappointing, but I'm not sure if they reach the disappointment of Detroit for the NFC North. I think it's all a what-if for the Lions. I mean, it's, you know, you wonder if Matthew Stafford could have gotten them wins and not, not blow leads or be healthy and all that. And it's just... Three eleven and one. I I can't imagine having that bad of a team, and the defense, which was supposed to be the bright spots for Matt Patricia, I mean, how do you blow it? I mean, can't fault can't fault uh, the offense. I mean, banged up at the running back position. Your quarterback situation. I mean, you're using an undrafted guy. I mean. 
Sure, it's not going to be to the level of what Matthew Stafford's done. Heck, I'm not even sure how healthy Matthew Stafford will be heading into next season. I mean, it's, I think it's like a back issue, I, th- I believe. With all the stuff going on with him and his wife with brain tumors and all that, and, you know, the two of them having three kids within a two-year span, I mean, I, I think Stafford will definitely be looking at his future a little bit. I don't think he's going to give up entirely. I think he'll still find a way to play football until doctors tell him, no, you can't. But back to the AFC West, I mean, Denver's been a disappointment this year. The Raiders definitely improved from last year, but there's still stuff that they need to fix. All right. Healthy run game would be one thing, just defense be a little better. And the LA Chargers, I mean, inconsistencies with the ground game and maybe work on the defense a little bit. I think they got enough stuff on offense that they could turn stuff turn close games into wins. And I think it all depends on whether they deal with Philip Rivers at the at the end of the season or he decides to stay. I mean the guy keeps driving from San Diego to LA every time for practice. I mean it's it's hard to imagine leaving any other place, I guess. But I mean it, there's a lot of questions heading into that division and really the Chargers I think have the biggest issue. What do they do with Rivers? But I'll tell you what, what the Colts done, I mean, there's all a lot of what-ifs for the Colts. I mean, you know, you wonder if they could have made it to the playoffs this year. Um, I think they could have. I think just if Marlon Mack can play to a very high level, which he has for most of the year, Jacoby Brissett develops into a quality player, and the defense can fix their mistakes and stuff, because I think the defense can be good. I think they can be a top defense in the league. But as it persists, I mean, I don't know. We There's a, there's a lot that can be said. And them beating up on Carolina, which Carolina, such disappointment. The only bright spot is Christian McCaffrey. And he is very close to breaking the 1,000,000... Stats and what that is a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving. He'd become only the third player to do that in the NFL if he can do that next week, joining Roger Craig of the 49ers and Marshall Falk of the Rams as the only guys to have done it. I mean, but you know, issues of the quarterback position, too many defensive issues, receivers not really doing their jobs, and all that. It just, I, I, I don't get it. They were like this last year, too. I probably didn't mention that before, but it's like, it's so disappointing. So disappointing. I mean, what do you, what do you draft? Do you draft a defensive guy? Do you draft a, a lineman? Do you draft a receiver? What do you do? There's a lot of questions on the table for Carolina heading into 2020. And a disappointing way to celebrate 25 years as a franchise. Same can be said for Jacksonville this year. The run game improved a little bit this year, and the inconsistent, you know, the quarterback shuffling a little bit with Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles, and defense not being up to snuff. 
Actually, I would say the same thing with Houston a little bit, though they're going to be a playoff team this year. The run game inconsistency and defense not really the healthiest of the bunch, but whether they win a game or not, I mean, I'm curious to what happens. What will happen to Bill O'Brien? I mean, I don't know what he has on a contract and what he has left to do, but, I mean, do they get rid of him at some point if if they don't exceed the expectations? I don't know. I believe he's only their third coach since they joined the league, since they formed in 2002. I'll be surprised if they win a playoff game this year because it's hard to imagine, you know, Baltimore being that dominant, New England being that dominant, Buffalo. I mean, even though they lost New England, it's a close. It was a close game, and you know, good congratulations to them. I mean, ten wins for the first time in twenty years. Josh Allen having a good year. There's still some room to improve, but still better year compared to last year. The defense will be, I think, the reason they went. They win a playoff game. I really do. They could be the catalyst for what could propel them to a Super Bowl, but I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl. You have ambitions, though. Miami, I mean, I think there's going to be questions to what happens with Miami. I mean, Fitzpatrick is still able to throw the ball and all that and eclipse 3,000 yards again for another team. I believe he's done it with Buffalo. He's done it with the Jets. He's done it with the Dolphins. Why don't why doesn't New England just get rid of Brady and let Fitzpatrick throw for three thousand? I think that would be like one of the weirdest accomplishments to to do three thousand yards passing for each of the AFC East teams. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, but for what they were able to do, I mean, it's been. I mean, he's done a lot better than what I thought. I was thought his stats were going to be horrible, but no, he actually isn't doing too bad. So, I mean, he's still going to be around, and I think the question will be who will take him for this year or if Miami sticks with him. Let's see what happens. And, of course, Cincinnati in the north, overall number one pick after losing to Miami. I don't think there's much that can be said. It's back to the almost like the 90s in a way. When they were like three and thirteen for like probably like four or five years and all that, such disappointment, which is a shame because Andy Dalton is still good. Joe Mixon is a good running back. Maybe it's the defense. Maybe it's not having healthy receivers. I mean, that's there's multiple questions to this whole scenario for the uh, Bengals. And I think lastly we'll talk. The first rookie quarterback ever with 350 yards passing, five touchdowns, and no interceptions in the form of giant Daniel Jones. I think there will be a lot of questions to what happens to New York following the season. If Pat Shermer stays or if he's fired, do they go after Jason Garrett if Garrett's fired? Because they got a good group. It's just coming together at the same time that they need to like make those games turn into wins instead of losses. And, you know, down year for Saquon Barkley, but still not horrible either. Not the greatest on the, not the greatest stats following a phenomenal rookie year. And Washington, for the most part, I mean, 
I think they're going to stick to Dwayne Haskins for next year. See how he does. And it looks like he, he'll be capable of doing stuff and he play at a consistent level. And the defense, I think they're going to trim some of that defense a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, I think next year or two years from now is Josh Norman's contract ending. So, I mean, that's probably something they're going to look at a little bit. Look at some of the guys whose contracts are up. and pro- I'd say they, I think they're going to get rid of Josh Norman. Guy didn't amount to anything in his time with Washington. But hey, that about wraps my thoughts on the NFL for the most part. I am surprised with the NBA, the LA Lakers being that good, 24 and 5 or 24 and 6 or 25 and 5. I forget what they are. They did play last night. But I think it is amazing just the amount of effort with getting certain players for for the Lakers. Have they become probably the most dominant team in the NBA? And I think the Lakers, I think when you look at it, the Lakers are the top-tier team for the league. It's like them, it's Boston, it's, I don't know, a couple other teams too. But I think when L.A. wins, I think America wins a little bit. But not to where it's like, oh, they've been dominant for so long, I'm getting tired of them. I would love to see Milwaukee win an NBA Finals this year. It's just, it, I feel like there's enough talent to just, they should roll over a lot of these teams. And with that, and with the freak on their, on their side, it's, I mean, he can dictate how the season goes. And some of the big baseball signings, I mean, Garrett Cole to the Yankees for like nine years and $325 million or something, I forget what it was. Not sure if it's worth all that money, but I mean, at least it's getting him in his twenties and not early thirties or something like that. They're going to get some prime years out of Cole. Not sure how I feel about Dallas Keuchel going to the uh, Chicago White Sox. I think that's a bad move. I mean, Chicago's not a good team. I mean, if it was the Cubs, maybe, but. I mean the White Sox. They do got they do got good guys to play. I'll give it that, but I'm not sure if Keuchel's going to be enough to salvage their pitching. I'm not sure about that. But I'll tell you what will salvage a team: Steven Strasburg staying with the Washington Nationals. I think that's a smart move to stay with the Nationals, and I think it will help the Nationals a lot more. Although they lost their uh, big batter in Anthony Rendon going to the LA Angels which definitely helps bring a little pop to the plate, and especially as uh, Albert Pujols finishes up the next two years of his contract. And it... I mean, Joe Madden will definitely have ways of trying to reinvigorate the team that he spent 30-plus years with before going to Tampa Bay. I think maybe that you'll see maybe a push to make a playoff run, but... That's it's a long season when when the season begins in March. I think there were some other guys. I, I'm curious to see if Mookie Betts goes to the LA Dodgers or any other guys. Like, actually, I think I think I just remember reading uh, about an hour or two ago about 
I don't know how you say his name, but the Hayu Jinrin guy for the Dodgers signed a contract with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are looking to maybe get David Price back. I know Boston got rid of Rick Porcello. So they're Cleveland gave uh, which one? I think it was Kluber, Corey Kluber, I believe, to the Rangers. So that bolsters the Rangers starting pitching a little bit. I think Cleveland is probably resizing a little bit to get some young players in and revitalize their team. I think a lot of teams right now are hungry to get a championship. And they're looking to get it done now. I don't think they're waiting that much longer. They want to get their deals done and they want to make sure that everything's settled so that when spring training comes, they're prepared, they're 100%, and they're setting their eyes on October. So with that aside, let's move on to moving on to kind of like a generalization of movies and all that and my theory on why the Richard Jewell movie bombed. So Richard Jewell is the story. I haven't seen it. I might think about seeing it, but I don't know with the way it did in theaters so far. I'm not sure, but it's about the 1996 Olympics, the whole bombing thing, and whether or not Jewel was innocent or guilty and all that. Uh, you know, reporter investigating on the whole thing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, directed by Clint Eastwood. It did not do well. I think it made like $5 million in its opening weekend, and it's one of Eastwood's biggest flops as a director. And a lot of questions on whether it was politically motivated. I don't think politics is the reason why why this movie bombed. No pun intended. But, you know, with, with any movie, you're never sure what is going to do well in the theater. And, you know, one of the biggest things is competition. And not to mention, I mean... Christmas time now, I think now these days, any month is viable for huge openings. But when you're opening the same weekend as Jumanji, the next level, which the Jumanji movies, I don't think anybody expected Welcome to the Jungle to do as well as it did. Like, it had really, really strong legs when it came out Christmas time two years ago. I don't think anyone expected it to make $400 million. But, anyway, I mean, you're competing against that. I mean, you're competing against, really, other movies like Star Wars, which just came out and it made, here in America, like, almost $200 million. So there's no way in hell you're going to stand any chance in this time frame. I think it's just maybe people just don't know about Richard Jewell. I don't think many people know the exact truths to it. Eastwood had his own mind on it, and maybe it didn't impress audiences all that well. I mean, plus not to mention, I mean, Jewell has been dead for 12 years, and the reporter, I'm not sure if her name is Kathy or Katie Scraggs, she passed away in 2001. I read something that the stress of reporting that 
thing, that story, put a toll on her. And it's just, you know, it's hard to imagine making a movie, and especially with the Olympics not too far away. I mean, we're probably a good six, seven months from from the Olympics being shown on TV and all that in the games. I mean, I, I, it's hard to imagine trying to make something like this and not, I mean, sure you can try and recreate as much as you can from newspaper articles and all that, but I know it drew, it drew a lot of ire, I think, from the Atlanta newspapers and all that. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, a lot, I mean, things are obviously going to get altered with uh, any true stories. I mean, you know, altered to, you know, maybe cater to a rating, maybe to create drama or stuff like that. I mean, that's, I mean, that's going to happen with a lot of these true story movies or movies that are inspired by true events and all that. I mean, I really don't have much else to say for movies. I mean, I'm definitely interested in seeing some movies heading into the new year. And I'm curious about this one movie called Uncut Gems. And it's an Adam Sandler movie. Not a, not a comedy, mind you. A drama. It also has Kevin Garnett, the NBA legend, in it as well. About, I think it's like a robbery heist type of movie. So it's hard to imagine Sandler as being like a criminal, like like an actual criminal. But I'm actually I'm actually very curious about it. It Makes me wonder what kind of stuff Sandler could do outside of comedies. Because, I mean, when you look at movies, I mean, there's some people that's transitioned to dramas, and they do a fantastic job. And some vice versa with comedies. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's choosing the right roles and picking what you think will work and all that. And, you know, for, for a guy like Sandler, maybe, maybe the story intrigued him enough. <laughs> I mean... I read a little couple things about maybe Kyrie Irving joining in to or being in the role that Garnett had. I mean, but that's definitely a movie. I think it comes out worldwide, comes out nationwide, uh, Christmas time in a couple days. Limited release right now, and a couple other movies that are like in limited release at the moment. And I don't know, it's just. Not many other movies that I want to see because I'm not, I'm not interested in Star Wars. I, I mean, I need to watch the first and second Jumanjis if I want to watch the third Jumanji. Uh, not interested in that Frozen crap. Not interested in horror like Black Christmas. It's not, I mean, I, I don't know what I. I mean, I do want to be entertained, but it's like. I need to... Uh, nothing really until next month. Definitely a few movies around that time in January. So, yeah. Another big one is, as we move on, is that Microsoft revealed the Xbox Series X this past month. Well, this month, to be exact. Um... So this is going to be the new system that comes out next holiday season. 
And I think Microsoft is trying to get a leg up over what the PlayStation brand has done. And PlayStation 5 is going to be coming out next year, too. I think Sony's waiting a little bit, not jumping the gun on revealing everything yet. So the way I view it, and I looked at the design of it, and I don't know how I feel about it. It looks like a computer desk. It looks like a computer tower. That's what that's what it makes me think of a little bit is the computer tower. And I'm curious to see how much this is going to cost. I don't see this being a, a mere $300. I see this being maybe 400 and maybe like a special edition for like 500 If I'm Microsoft, I'm trying to be as careful as I can compared to the Xbox One because when Xbox One came out, when it was being revealed as well, it had one of the worst reveals ever since uh, worst reveal since 1995 when the Sega Saturn was surprise launched in America in May of 95 I can't believe that's been that long you know, it's hard to imagine 7 years with the Xbox One come next November and the same can be said for the uh, Playstation 5 not Playstation 4 when PlayStation 5 comes out, it'll be right around when PS4 is 7 years old. So this is like the first... like It's the first generation for me where it's like I'm spending my own money on on an actual console and all that. That is current and all, you know. I, mean, I bought my own games for PS3 and 360, but nothing to the level of PS4 and Xbox One. They gotta be smart. Microsoft has to in terms of marketing the system, trying to get the gamers into it, get the casuals into it, try and sell them on you know, a new Halo and maybe a new Gears of War. And actually, here's a funny thing. After the 2K games finished up with the MLB games, the only baseball games that have been out for... Uh, Xbox or even Nintendo is the RBI RBI baseball games, and I've heard a lot of mixed reception. I've read a lot of mixed reception and like a little more negative towards how RBI is. And Sony is actually going to have MLB the Show, their premier baseball franchise, on the Switch and the Xbox systems. I think that's a win-win for a lot of people because they miss out on you know a baseball game that you see only on PlayStation systems. I think, yes, it does lose its exclusivity, but to be able to give people something other than RBI, that's a, that's a true win-win situation. So, whether these come out on Xbox One or the... Uh, Xbox Series X, which is kind of a dumb name, which um, which I've heard a lot of complaints about, but it to me Xbox needs to do a lot of things right. I think a fair price is going to be one of them. The having like a having like a strong game at launch, like have a Halo like they did when when the original Xbox launched in two thousand one. Um, what else? 
don't try anything stupid like the DRM and secondhand copies requiring a fee and all that. They have to be smart with how to reveal it and not do any stupid stuff that requires fixing. Because that was like some of the few mistakes that happened with with the Xbox One. And it kind of bit them in the ass and they've been kind of struggling. I know they've been doing okay with the Xbox One, but nothing to the level of what PS4 has done. And which I believe is PS4 has sold over 100 million. That's that's very impressive. Three of their four home consoles since ninety since starting in '95, over 100 million. And PS2, the the best selling system ever, the best selling home console ever. That's to me. That's that's nothing short of impressive. It's I mean, considering that they've been around for 25 years as a console manufacturer, and really, I think, like, 30 years or so as in games in general, going back to the NES and all that. So, I I mean, I think... I would definitely have to see how PS5 is. I feel like they're going to reveal some stuff in February. So I would like to see where they go, and whether they try and one-up each other, and try to say, oh, we got this price here. Oh, you can get this bundle. Oh, here's this exclusive game. You know, that sort of stuff. So, I I think I said in the last podcast or something, but this is truly, I think, 2020 is going to be the last really, really huge year for, I think, all three systems are out right now. I think you're still going to see after next year when PS5 and Series X comes out that people are still going to be into PS4 and Xbox One. I do think people will still be into the Switch, but can it be can it be sustained for for a very long time for for a little bit of time like they've had with the PS3 and the Xbox 360? I think both systems of their I think both predecessors and the Switch will still hold on to audiences. I th- I think within like a three, four year span, the systems will be done. So, I say make the best of the PS4 and Xbox One while you're at it. Make the best of the Switch. Because I do believe things will change after 2020. But what will never change, moving on, is really the impact that children's television has had for a very long time, and that's. I think I'll probably end this on TV and it, talk about a tiny bit regarding the uh, Sesame Street program. It's been around for over 50 years. It turned 50 back in November, and you know it's a way to you know educate kids and stuff like that with the with these Muppet characters and all that. You know. You, the familiarity of characters like Big Bird and Bert and Ernie, and, you know all that. It like I never realized, you know, that the guy that did Big Bird also did Oscar the Grouch, and that's where I'm gonna go. That uh, the passing uh, about a couple weeks ago of I think it was uh, Carol Spinney, who was in costume for Big Bird for such a long long time, performing the character for 50 years. 
you can't imagine anyone doing a, something like that for 50 years, portraying one character. And he also did Oscar the Grouch as well, so it's not so it's not like he was reduced to just being a one-role guy. But, you know, reading some of the stuff regarding Spinney, I mean, I think I remember when I worked at a hotel, you know, someone was, um, someone left a TV on while I was cleaning, cleaning their, their hotel room, and they had a story going on, I think it was on like 60 Minutes, about the, about a documentary that they made, that was made regarding Spinney, and, you know, the, the troubles that he had, you know, in the 60s and 70s, even with, with as big as Sesame Street was, and getting his life back together, and all that, like, it's, 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 you know, sometimes these people that you see, I mean, it's, they, they have a different side to it, and, you know, whether they can fix it or not, I mean, that's on, that's up, that's up to them, and for him to revitalize his life, Spinney, and to keep doing the characters for 50 years, and retiring last year because of dystonia, which is like, I think like a muscle issue with and it causes issues. I don't, I think it like it stiffens them. I believe, but you know it's hard to imagine someone doing that role for fifty plus years. And I say this as someone that never. I mean, I've seen I've seen some Sesame Street, but not really a lot. Not the level of other people. It wasn't really big in the PBS. There was like a there was like a two three year span where I was, and that was about it. I mean, cable, you can find a lot of stuff on cable, you know, even find kids stuff on, like, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, but, so, that will probably wrap up 2019 for me, for Geeks and Jocks, so there was not going to be a new, there's not going to be a new podcast on New Year's Eve, but I will be back I believe for Tuesday the 7th, if I can remember my math a little bit, Wednesday the 1st, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yep, the 7th for a movies I watched in 2019 in the theater, something I hope, you know, I mean, something that I did last year, movies I saw in 2018 in the theater, and yeah so wrap up 2019 once again with a happy festivus at the time of this recording a merry christmas a happy hanukkah a happy kwanzaa a happy holiday everything in between episode 24 of geeks and jocks this is ryan sullivan hope to see you listeners on the next podcast and into the new decade